This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Just days before B.C. is set to slowly begin to reopen its doors for business, we are still seeing double-digit new cases of COVID-19. In the last 24 hours, 21 more people have contracted the disease for a total of 2,428. And there's been one more death. 141 people have now died. 49 people are in hospital. That's down two from yesterday. 11 are in the ICU, down one from the day before. Some of the concern this week comes from an outbreak at Abbotsford Regional Hospital, where patients and medical staff are now being treated for the disease. Julia Foy has details on what health officials are now saying about those new cases and why the BC Nurses Union is questioning how the outbreak could have happened. At Abbotsford Regional Hospital, people are picking up their loved ones under the cloud of a COVID-19 outbreak, which has sickened six staff members and two patients. I personally have five, the five things that shouldn't be around the hospital. Well, the guy that was with me in the same room, his wife panicked and told him about it, and he says, well, you're not helping me get better. There is, of course, a detailed ongoing investigation with Fraser Health, uh, along with the, the staff at the unit and the hospital. The BC Nurses Union is questioning how the outbreak could have happened. It's very concerning, uh, both in an emergency room and an ICU. Uh, that was a designated COVID-positive unit uh, and would be working with the highest level of infection control practices and PPE, and yet we've still seen uh, that our nurses have become infected. The BCNU says they received a complaint that there has been a shortage of personal protective equipment and problems with infection control at Abbotsford's hospital, but Henry says that's not true. There has been no shortage of PPE. There's no uh, concerns with, with the workers in those, the healthcare workers in those facilities of being able to access what they need. Fraser Health also says there are no issues with PPE, but they are exploring some other questions. Preliminary results of our investigation show that vigilance is required in non-patient care areas. Enhanced strategies have been implemented to reduce risks in these areas. With just days to go before many BC businesses reopen to the public, Dr. Henry has this reminder. This outbreak reminds us of how pernicious this virus is and how difficult it is to manage it. As for Dennis Kingsley, he's not worried. He's looking forward to sleeping in his bed. If God meant me to have it, I'd already have it. At first, right? I'm glad to be going home, though. Julia Foy, Global News. And Fraser Health officials are calling three cases at a Coquitlam food processing facility a cluster. In the past week, three employees at the Oppenheimer Group, a fruit and vegetable processing plant, have tested positive. Two of the individuals are members of the same family and occasionally carpool to work with a third. So far, no sign of spread at the facility itself, which remains open after it was cleaned. Close contacts have all been isolated for 14 days. Dr. Bonnie Henry is now allowing personal services like businesses and hair salons and massage therapists to open under new rules. And Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us as you see. And Keith, as businesses look to reopen on Tuesday, some are bound to face some frustration that they still can't. 
Yeah, there's uh, frustration combined with excitement, I think, for, on Tuesday for a number of services that have been closed for some time. Uh, the only a few services have actually been closed by order. Others are just closed because they haven't figured out how to operate under the new rules. If you're looking for information, I invite people to go to the WorkSafe BC website. There's a ton of information there on how you can open your business and still obey uh, the number of rules that are now in place, notably measures to ensure people keep their social distance two meters apart as much as possible. Dr. Bonnie Henry uh, agreeing today. People People are going to be frustrated, but she says these rules are intentionally restrictive at this point in phase two because we can't really expand it much more than what we've got because we're still in the midst of this thing. And she's going to be looking at what happens over the next 28 days as we expand, yet we still have those rules in place. Again, here's Dr. Henry. They may seem overly restrictive to many people, um, and that is intentional. That is intentional because we want to start, start slowly and methodically and thoughtfully and watch carefully. And that's what we will be doing over the coming weeks. So it's going to be interesting, particularly challenging, I think, calling for restaurants and pubs to open. Uh, a lot of them operate on the margins now. And one of the big rules is you're going to have to limit the number of people in your facility, your restaurant, your retail store going forward. And if the numbers don't make it work, Dr. Bonnie Henry today agreed that a number of businesses, businesses will not come back to life. And if you think we, we have room to take our foot off the pedal, just look to the south uh, today, to Washington State, just to the south of us. Today they recorded their 1,000th death of, from uh, COVID-19 compared to are, are what, less than 150 in BC. That's what can happen if you don't take the proper measures. All right, Keith, thanks so much for that. As many hit the water this long weekend, nine Vancouver swimming beaches remain unguarded. The park board is also delaying the opening of five outdoor pools as it awaits direction on how lifeguards can do their jobs and maintain distancing. But as Kristen Robinson reports, critics say the decision puts the public at risk. Even when the sun isn't out, swimmers are. With community pools closed, one former Vancouver lifeguard says she's seeing a huge spike in people in the ocean who are not used to cold water. They don't know the risks of the currents, the tides. Normally, this guy would be watching, but lifeguards are not on duty at city beaches as the park board reviews how to protect swimmers and staff from COVID-19. So they've had um, two months to decide how to um, and how to work around the I mean, issues surrounding COVID. We've heard from the park board that they haven't decided yet what they want to do. The union representing 100 city lifeguards fears the sink or swim situation could lead to tragedy. It's the wrong thing to do. We need to have our, our beaches staffed with lifeguards to keep the public safe. It's, it's unconscionable not to have them here. Lifeguards now face an added danger, since staying two meters away from someone who's drowning is not an option. And the park board says until they're confident lifeguards can do their job safely, they won't be back. The personal protective equipment, both for lifeguards and, and those being rescued, are, are going to be important in ensuring that uh, we protect everyone. Based on provincial directives, the Life Saving Society is working with pool and waterfront operators on reopening. The park board says it's awaiting that guidance to come up with an approved operating plan before it takes the plunge on hiring for what will likely be a much more guarded beach season. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
Like here in BC, Albertans are being encouraged not to travel outside of province this Victoria Day long weekend or at any time just yet. But it appears some officials are resigned to the reality that some people on both sides of our border won't listen. The mayor of Invermere issued a message to local residents asking them to be respectful, knowing their community will see travelers from out of town. Officials in parts of the Okanagan are working to balance their level of hospitality with public safety when it comes to welcoming outsiders. We're a resort municipality. We're a tourist town. We thrive on having tourists here, but we want to do it safely. And we don't think that we're ready to jump into that yet. The Prime Minister and Alberta's provincial health officers say there are no plans to pro- prohibit interprovincial travel just yet. Well, charities and nonprofit organizations are understandably concerned about how they will survive the pandemic. And now a new survey predicts 20% of those groups in BC fear they may actually go under. Nadia Stewart has more. The South Vancouver neighborhood house is usually bustling with activity. But now the daycare is shut down. Some staff have been laid off. The work they do in the community unexpectedly upended. Our work is built built on social connection. And now with physical distancing in place, it's very hard for people to obviously come together face to face. Zara Ishmael is the executive director of the organization, one of a number of neighborhood houses in Vancouver, focused on building capacity within the community by working with them to find solutions before major problems arise. Problem is, no one saw COVID-19 coming. There needs to be long-term planning to keep the nonprofit sector strong and stable so that we can build communities once more. A survey of over 1,000 BC nonprofits found 78% are dealing with a disruption in service and 23% fear they might not survive beyond the next six months. The government can't, simply can't afford to ser- provide service for every single individual in our province who needs it. We fill this gap and the gap as soon as COVID hit became um, a cavern. Uh, and that gap is going to remain um, for some t- long time to come. People who are getting those services, whether it's a food service or a shelter service or a mental health service, that service provider may be gone. And that will disrupt people's lives even more profoundly because they won't be able to know where to turn. The Vancouver Foundation has handed out thousands of dollars in grants, but they've received about $20 million in requests. We want uh, citizens to look after the organizations they love because it's those organizations that look after the community, helping them confront the new challenges COVID-19 has created. Over the next 12 to 18 months, it's going to be balancing the immediate response, the safety, and then also trying to help overcome a lot of those new issues that have come up and figure out new ways to keep people connected. Nadia Stork, Global News. A West Kelowna woman is speaking out about the current state of a storage facility in the area. Her storage unit was broken into and items were stolen. But as Darian Matessa Fung reports, that's not her only concern. A West Kelowna resident is left with many questions after finding her self-storage unit broken into. Mm-hmm. They're in the hallway. Well, yeah. the this place has gone completely abandoned inside. It's a disgusting mess. Caitlin Garnick went to drop off some stuff in her storage locker at the West Kelowna U-Haul self-storage facility. What she found when she got there shocked her. Rolled up, I noticed a gentleman prop open the door um, to the Bay Area and empty a 
dump bucket, a mop bucket, and it turned out um, when I walked in that it was a mop bucket full of urine. Gonick says when she approached her locker, something wasn't right. Yeah, it does look like it was pried open right where it was buckled yeah. and on they here. They crawled right through right there, 100%. <sighs> In all the hallways, there's homeless in there, drinking, having a good time. Um, drug use is being happened inside the closed facility. Once Gonick was able to get inside her locker, she noticed some valuables were missing. In my storage unit, I had all brand new items that I have been collecting over the past year to move out with. Gonick then called the police, and once they arrived, they found numerous people who appeared to be homeless inside the facility. The cops came, they did their best job, they escorted six people out, they arrested one gentleman. So that begs the question, how did these people gain access to a locked facility, one that states 24-7 access to safe self-storage facilities for patrons? Gonick says she wants to let other customers know they may want to head down to the facility to make sure their lockers have not been broken into as well. I feel for those who have items in their storage unit that are sentimental items and things that can't be replaced. Inquiries directed to the RCMP were not responded in time for broadcast. When we reached out to U-Haul for a comment, they said they have no one available at this time. Darian Matasafan, Global News, West Kelowna. Plumes of black smoke rose into the sky near Stanley Park this morning after a fire engulfed a vehicle. At around 6 o'clock at the Harbour Cruises parking lot near Georgia and Denman Street, the vehicle caught fire. Witnesses heard an explosion, then saw flames. The fire department says the explosion may have been tires popping. And the minivan has been charred. No one was inside at the time and no word yet on a cause. A trail near Vernon is closed after hikers discovered what police believe is a live World War II explosive device. The discovery on the Sidewinder Trail in Closen Bay in Choate, Cossons Bay, rather, isn't that uncommon as it was once used as a testing range for mortar rounds. The Canadian Forces Disposal Unit in Esquimalt has been called in. The Canadian Forces Snowbirds aerobatic team flew over communities in the Shuswap today as part of their Cross Canada Operation Inspiration. The Snowbirds buzzed by onlookers in Salmon Arm, Revelstoke and Sycamus before landing in Kamloops this afternoon. During the lockdown, many of us have looked for ways to stay in shape, let off some steam or just have some fun, all while staying a safe distance apart. As Paul Johnson tells us, that has meant two businesses have had to get the wheels in motion, so to speak, to handle an unexpected boom in their bottom lines. Recreational pursuits wax and wane with the times. And if you happen to be one of Canada's few dealers of rollerblades and parts, there's a big wave of demand right now to ride. There's a couple parents who had been dealing with us before and they said, we got no ice and my kid wants to skate. This online video may have helped spark that trend. The Hughes brothers, two of whom play in the NHL, were seen recently keeping in playing form by strapping on the rollerblades inspiring many Canadian hockey players and skaters who've been shut out of the rinks to take to the pavements as well. At Coast to Coast Hockey Shop, Sean Wilson says his online sales are now double what they were before the pandemic hit. We just started getting hammered with emails through our website saying like, hey, we can't find this stuff anywhere. Over at Rad Cycles, there's a similar thing happening. It's gotten busier. A spike in sales of new bikes and people bringing in old bikes they want to get back on the road. 
Rad is so busy with repairs that they're booked up through June. It's a really good way to social distance. You can keep a couple of feet in between you and your, your partners you're out riding with, um, getting vitamin D, getting the sunshine, and getting rid of the kind of the mental burden of being stuck in the house all day. Well, Vancouver's long been a mecca for cycling. Rollerblading has been a bit more fluky, popular in the 90s, but then falling off outside its hardcore base. But in a country full of skaters and skiers poised to get back outside, it's looking like this summer could see the renaissance of the rollerblade. You can move your way in and out of people quickly, keep your distance, keep your speed up. In East Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. If you purchased a Vancouver Aquarium face mask and you're still waiting for it, the Whitecaps say they've been overwhelmed by orders for the joint fundraising initiative. All proceeds from the face coverings, which are selling for about $20 each, will go to the cash-strapped Vancouver Aquarium. The cloth masks are being produced in local factories that have been reopened to get people back to work. More than 113,000 masks have been sold since the fundraiser launched in late April. By the end of this week, the Whitecaps say almost 20,000 masks will have been shipped. The pandemic is taking an unprecedented toll on the travel industry. Air Canada says it will have to lay off 20,000 employees, more than half its workforce. Travel is tanked with borders closed. It's a similar story around the world. The entire global airline industry is in trouble. And as Mike Drolet reports, the Prime Minister is being grilled about a bailout for Canada's airline sector. With no end to the pandemic in sight, the airline industry is looking for a lifeline. At Air Canada, it can't get much worse with layoffs affecting 20,000 staff next month. You know, I, I think we reached the bottom for sure. So, you know, what's, are we going to dig further down? To that end, all eyes were on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at his daily media briefing. But when asked about the airline industry, he offered nothing. In all sectors of the economy, but certain sectors have been hit even harder. That's why we're going to keep working with various sectors. We're going to continue to work with uh, sectors. His non-response was met with frustration from industry insiders, who have seen every other G7 country come up with measures to support their domestic aviation sector. Have they got a master plan? Have they got something, you know, if they indicated that they had that, it would be reassuring. Uh, we have no indications that they have any direction in what they're doing other than putting out fires. Trudeau was asked about a bailout similar to the one in the U.S. and nationalization, as Italy has done with Air Alitalia. Again, he offered no response other than to point to wage subsidy programs already in place. I don't have the crystal ball and I can't tell you what is realistic or not, but, but we're going to have to find the solutions because we need them. We're going to need Air Canada, right? So nationalization is a possibility. Getting some private equity into it, why not? But who would be willing to buy into the industry right now? The Montreal-based International Air Transport Association has painted a grim picture with travel dropping 90% in Canada, the U.S. and Europe. It's estimating passenger traffic won't rebound to pre-crisis levels until at least 2023, and even later if restrictions are extended. Another issue for Canadian Airlines is only the largest qualify for the government loan program, leaving smaller airlines vulnerable, which would create an even bigger problem. Most important is that in many, many regions, there is no other way to connect to those regions than through the smaller airlines. The larger airlines are, are key to our economic development, but the smaller airlines or our lifeline to many regions. Merci beaucoup tout le monde. If Trudeau has a plan in the works, he hasn't said, leaving the airline industry financially grounded.
Mike Drolet, Global News, Toronto. Health Canada has approved the first clinical trial of a COVID-19 vaccine. Human trials will begin at the Canadian Centre for Vaccinology at Dalhousie University in Halifax. The National Research Council of Canada has been working closely with CanSino Biologics in China, which created the vaccine using living cells grown by scientists here in Canada. That research is in the second phase of human trials. According to the World Health Organization, there are about 100 other potential vaccines that are in early stages of development. Nearly every U.S. state is open to some degree or other, but Harvard researchers say only nine states have met testing levels and are actually safe to reopen while the rest have fallen short, something that even former President Barack Obama is commenting on. In an online commencement speech for graduates of historically black colleges and universities, former President Barack Obama criticized the government's handling of the coronavirus crisis. This pandemic has fully, finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge know what they're doing. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. The criticism came as U.S. businesses like this restaurant near Sacramento are reopening their doors with new safety procedures. They wiped off all of the tables. They had menus that were disposable so people weren't reusing them. Um, I feel like they're doing a really good job, which makes us feel a lot more safe. Safe behavior is what New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says is needed to prevent a second wave of the coronavirus. How you act will determine what happens to you. Literally, will I get infected? Well, depends on what you do. Cuomo says the daily number of new cases in his state is declining, but he expects to see an increase as certain regions begin to reopen. Police in southern Ontario are investigating a brazen shooting that's left two people dead. It happened in a business park in Oakville, west of uh, Toronto. Officers were called just after 3 o'clock this morning to a commercial business and found one man dead at the scene. A second man later died in hospital. Two others are being treated for unspecified injuries. Investigators say it appears to have been a targeted shooting but released no other information. Police say two people and more than a dozen dogs en route to Calgary were killed in a highway crash in eastern Idaho Friday morning. State police say the box truck was transporting animals for a rescue group when the crash happened. The driver and passenger, both from Phoenix, along with 14 dogs, died of their injuries. Investigators say the truck was taking 48 dogs to Calgary for adoption. So far, 18 of those animals have been found. 16 remain unaccounted for. Strong storms continue to move through parts of Oklahoma. This storm dumped more than 100 millimeters of rain, causing major flooding. Wind gusts reached up to nearly 100 kilometers an hour. Tropical storm Ambo is battering parts of the Philippines. The storm has caused at least one death and displaced more than 145,000 people. Evacuees are being sent to shelters where officials are trying to maintain physical distancing. Some sad news from the entertainment world. Well, I suppose all parents wondered how things would have changed if they had a different child. No, I didn't, didn't mean a different one. Fred Willard has been making audiences laugh with his distinct brand of comic acting on hit TV shows like Modern Family and screen favorites like Anchorman. He started his career in the famed Second City comedy troupe. He was a fixture in mockumentary-style comedies like This is Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman, and Best in Show. 
He is set to appear in the new Netflix series Space Force later this month. His family says he passed away last night of natural causes. Fred Willard was 86. In Health Matters tonight, undergraduate students and Canadian Blood Services are teaming up to encourage people to roll up their sleeves. While blood and stem cell donations have dwindled since the pandemic began, the need remains. The 1,000 Donors campaign is asking Canadians to make a pledge to donate, then actually do it, and post a picture online to inspire others to do the same. This campaign has a few different goals. We're hoping, obviously, to have a thousand different blood donors, but I think the main, one of the main goals is to have establish a long-term relationship between donors and CBS, um, because as this kind of extends on and the need um, continues, it'll be really helpful to have kind of more awareness in, in, um, in society in blood donation and kind of maintain that relationship as we uh, continue forward when things start to reopen. For more information, follow the 1000 Donors account on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. What authorities are saying after a man intentionally walks through a closed train crossing. We'll have that story right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, the San Diego Zoo has welcomed a newborn pygmy hippo. Four-year-old pygmy hippopotamus Mabel gave birth to her first calf back on April 9th, and now the zoo is showing him off to the cameras. It's the first successful pygmy hippo birth at the zoo in more than 30 years. The zoo says that mom and calf are doing well, as the baby hippo is already surpassing milestones, including the ability to go underwater. So cute. That's for you. Very cute. Always like an animal video. Uh, so cute and tiny, and then they change a little bit. They do. Maybe a little bigger. Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. All right. Uh, thanks, Colleen, and good evening, everyone. Uh, we are seeing a pretty gray and wet start to the long weekend. There is an improvement on the way. It's not a complete washout, and I'll show you more in just a moment, but we do have a blip in the forecast for tomorrow. Here's a quick glance at what it looks like outside, overlooking our tower cam, and we are tracking some wet weather. We'll have waves this evening. It'll be heavy at times. A bit of a gap just in between right now towards the east, but it is going to pick up this evening, so a heads up if you are planning on being out and about. Here's a quick glance, a closer look at the satellite radar and I wanted to show you if you were up early enough this morning fantastic sunrise this was captured in at Pitt River so thank you so much John and the skies this morning in Delta so thank you so much Robin some fantastic photos although we did follow it with a gray day today here's a glance though this evening so we do have some waves of moisture it'll be wet overnight and for the early morning hours on Sunday and then it does start to ease off but the blip in the forecast for the afternoon with the instability the front that's pushing its way through we do have some daytime heating there is the risk of thunderstorms for all areas across the southern half of the province, pushing in towards the interior as well as the southeastern corner. So we are looking at the risk of thunderstorms, lots of instability for the afternoon, eases off towards the evening and then much drier. Your long weekend barbecue forecast, this is for tomorrow, so there is a chance of showers. Risk of a thunderstorm, the nicer day will be on Monday. We've got a partly cloudy sky and it looks to remain dry. The northern half of the province tomorrow, starting off with more cloud cover along the coast, it'll start to break up towards the afternoon, some breaks. Areas inland tomorrow, it is going to warm up. Temperatures will be up to 21. Most areas for the northeastern corners of the province, just a few isolated showers, a fair bit of cloud cover across the central interior, and then a heads up for all areas towards the south. There is the risk of thunderstorms and pushing in towards the southeastern corners. So that'll really pick up for the afternoon and early evening. 
Temperatures tomorrow will be on the cool side for Whistler, only getting up to 13 degrees. And along the south coast, we've got the heaviest rainfall tomorrow morning. Waking up by the afternoon, it'll ease off with that chance of showers and a risk of thunderstorms. And temperatures cooler for many areas, especially along the Sunshine Coast. Highs near Powell River just getting up to 16 degrees. It's a five-day forecast across Metro Vancouver, so rainfall for the morning hours. A partly cloudy sky, risk of a thunderstorm for the afternoon and early evening. Temperatures will still climb up to 18 as the high and then as we get in towards our Monday, Tuesday some nice breaks. The latter half of the long weekend, that looks to be the gem so far. A clearing on the way for Tuesday and more cloud cover building in, but pretty pleasant as we get in towards tomorrow. Colleen? Well, better late than never. Yes. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. As though just living right now isn't dangerous enough, have a look at what happened this week in England. British Transport Police are issuing a new warning about level crossing safety following a concerning incident in London. A man was nearly struck when he forced his way through the closed barriers. He then stepped onto the crossing and into the path of a speeding train. He thankfully made it across the train tracks, narrowly the train narrowly missing him and avoiding the potential lethal or certainly life-altering consequences. British Transport Police say in a statement, isn't worth taking a risk like this in order to save a few minutes. No kidding. Okay, from a near miss to a definite hit. The Phoenix Chamber Choir came together virtually to record a few well-known songs with new lyrics related to the pandemic. Have a listen. I have been at home in quarantine, stopping spread of COVID-19. What else could I do? This virus is gone. I haven't left here for the longest time. Exercise my jogging round my like that, you will also like their version of Coronavirus Rhapsody based on Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, and you can find it on the Phoenix Chamber Choir's website, where they are also asking us all to donate to our local choir, favorite choir groups or choral groups. They're fabulous. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those lyrics Billy are Joel good. Be proud of that one. Yeah. yeah. I know. No, so talented. And speaking of talent, Barry is here. Oh, me? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were reintroducing Yvonne again. Uh, well, we slowly, weekend by weekend, we're getting more sports back in. UFC started last week. We got NASCAR starting again tomorrow, and the German Bundesliga has uh, also restarted. So we actually have highlights from uh, there. I've been working on my German pronunciations up until now. Just strudel is about all I could say, but now I, I, there's some there's some doozies. In Germany, apparently, having a short team name is not an option. So coming up. The pandemic has changed the way we work and where we work. Many are wondering if they'll ever go back to a traditional office, and if so, how that might look. Since mid-March, this has been my office, my desk inside my home. My desk inside a Manhattan skyscraper has been vacant for months. And now physical architects and financial architects are wondering, will cubicles like this one ever be full again? For weeks now, hundreds of millions of square feet of Manhattan office space have been all but empty, and some big banks have suggested they may never bring all their employees back. 
Do you think we're going to see big financial service companies essentially say, I don't need all this office space. I'm out of here. Yes. I mean, we're, I mean, we've heard some of them say that already. Dror Poleg is author of Rethinking Real Estate, a book that even before the pandemic was projecting big changes in how offices would be used in the future. He says landlords will now need to convince companies there's a need for those desks and boardrooms we've taken for granted. If you own a great building in a great location, that's not going to be enough anymore. For those employees who do return to traditional offices, architects say we're likely to see lots of new technology like touchless doors and some design that's much more subtle. Sometimes the idea is as simple as having everybody walk in one direction so that you're not crossing paths with people spontaneously throughout the day. Sam Cochran is Features Director at Architectural Digest. We talked to him and architects Peter Zussman and Aaron Schiller. They said in the long term, some newly vacant offices could be converted to lofts and apartments. We're in a housing crisis, and we all know that. And wouldn't that be great if we could do it that way? Probably about 40% of the existing office towers in New York are capable of doing that in a time-efficient manner. This economic fallout that may come from this may open up some really amazing opportunities to redespine the city. And I think part of that is fundamentally about the potential to reuse commercial space as living space. Barry's here with a look at sports. And Barry's, um, is it true that we actually have some highlights tonight? Actual highlights with uh, actual team sports for the first time. So it's exciting. It's starting to come. It's going to take time. But maybe a month from now, there'll be a lot going on, hopefully. All right. Thanks, Colleen. Last weekend, the UFC gave us our first live sports in North America in a couple of months. This weekend, NASCAR joins them. And over in Europe, the German Bundesliga is back. Alfonso Davies and league leaders Bayern Munich play their first match tomorrow. Today, all eyes were on one of Europe's top domestic leagues. Curious to see real live games, but even more so to see what this coronavirus age of sport looks like and feels like. Normally, we'd see 80,000 fans for this heated rivalry between uh, Dortmund and uh, uh, Schalke, but uh, the fans were empty. New rules, too. You can use five subs. Borussia Dortmund had no issues finding their legs. Thorgan Azard crossed to Erling Haaland. Gentle tap in. And watch the celebration. Just... Uh, Players urged not to hug or high five. You got to celebrate by yourself. Just before the half is out, they add to their lead. Rafael Guerrero runs onto it, rockets the left footer inside the post. 2 0 Dortmund at the half. And now 3 0 Dortmund, and it's Guerrero again as he will just punch this one in with the outside of his left foot. Borussia Dortmund, second in the standings, take down Schalke 4 0. Afterwards, They salute their fans, even though they weren't actually in the stands. Also today, Frankfurt uh, Eintracht versus Mönchengladbach. That's right, i got to get myself into these uh, German team names. Visitors take just 35 seconds to start. Alessandro Playa finds the corner, 1-0 Gladbach. They'll shorten it to that. Then in the seventh, they get another. Marcus Thuram with the easy tap-in. Great work by Rami Bensabayini. Borussia Mönchengladbach wins it 3-1. Formula One's Belgian Grand Prix has been given the green light. Local authorities in the region say the F1 race can proceed during its scheduled date of August 28th to 30th. Racing will be behind closed doors, all social distancing rules in effect. F1 is targeting to begin its racing season in Austria on the first weekend in July. 
Student athletes are hopeful they will have some sort of competition this school year. Canada West announced earlier this week that if U Sports does return, it would be at a reduced level of games and travel. That's just the reality right now. At UBC, they are preparing to have a sports season. Yeah, I think it will happen. I think the Canada West schools will need to take leadership in creating a safe environment for student-athletes and really taking initiative to find a way to set that up, including uh, safety for our, our, our student-athletes, our coaches, and our potential patrons. But what's the plan? I think that will really be the emphasis for our work between now and the start of the school year. You likely won't see fans in the stands, but the initial Canada West plan revealed this week is pointing to return of fall and winter sports come September with every sport playing a reduced schedule. Football would kick things off, but instead of eight games on the calendar, teams would play just five. How do you game plan for five games? Yeah, it's all about getting to the next stage, which it is with an eight-game season or even a 16-game season. So you look at, you, you shorten your packages, you shorten your playbooks, you, you, you make it simpler. Uh, a big part of a five-game season that a lot of people may not consider is the fact that these kids aren't going to show up on campus till at the late at the earliest September 1st when when all the other students come um, so there's going to have to be a lot of prep done before we actually play the game that is going to do it the UBC Thunderbirds with an upset for the ages under Canada West proposed plan travel for every team is greatly reduced Men's and women's hockey is slated to play 20 games. That's 10 fewer for men and 7 less for women. Men's and women's basketball teams are looking at a 16-game season. Same for volleyball clubs. While men's and women's soccer will compete in a 10-game schedule. But of course, none of this happens without the approval of provincial health officials and testing of some kind that is still being figured out. We really want to find a way to have a competitive season for student-athletes. I think we're all starving and missing sport, but our student-athletes are here. They want to participate in the sport, so we want to give them a competitive season. So our first and foremost priority is to say, can we at least have some level of a competitive season for this year? And of course, all of these situations fluid, so they're just uh, going to react when the appropriate time comes. But hopefully it'll be some sort of sports uh, for those student-athletes who've got scholarships and really love to compete this year. No kidding. All right. Fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Barry. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, time for our nightly thank you to our BC Healthcare heroes. Yvonne, who is it tonight? Tonight we've got someone special and we are honoring Sim Sunner. Sim is an ICU nurse at St. Paul's Hospital and has been working tirelessly during the pandemic while eight months pregnant. Wow. Her dedication and decision to put others in front of her own needs is something admired. So thank you, Sim, and your team for all that you do. And congratulations on your baby on the way. 
If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few photos to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. A description is always helpful. Of course. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> I really don't. That's phenomenal. Thank you. Okay. A Second World War veteran in Oak Bay is enjoying a well-deserved break tonight after following in the footsteps of a British comrade and successfully raising tens of thousands of dollars for charity. As Sarah McDonald reports, it was a sweet victory lap for 100 101-year-old John Hillman. For the veteran who's already lived a remarkable life, this was an extraordinary feat. I was determined to complete it, whether we made the target or not, but we've exceeded the target. John Hillman served our country in the Second World War, and now he's serving Canadian children. I really wanted to do good for them. That number was the one we chose to do, 101. At 101 years old, far exceeding his fundraising goal of $101,000 by walking 101 laps around his Vancouver Island retirement home, galvanizing not only the nation, but his fellow residents with every step for the two weeks it took to complete. Some of them were getting quite isolated. They were in their suites. But this has allowed them to come out and walk the circle with him. Hillman drew his inspiration from a fellow centenarian and an ally across the pond. Captain Tom Moore garnering tens of millions of dollars for the British healthcare system by walking his garden. We're all very proud of him. He's a friend. He's a real true friend. And not just to those he's met. Every penny donated to Hillman's cause, going directly to Save the Children Canada and its COVID-19 response efforts. I've done it. I said I could do it and I've done it and I feel very good about that. Tens of thousands of dollars and counting, raised by the soldier still serving his country through another very different battle. Sarah McDonald, Global News. He's going to have to set himself another project because, you know, he's he's clearly got energy to burn. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. He's going to keep fundraising as we go. Oh, good for him. It's, it's such an inspiration. Oh, love it. Um, Jordan is going to be here at 11 o'clock. We want to thank you for watching. Have a great evening and stay safe.